Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. The depth charts are out. It's time to play some trivia. We take a look at the Los Angeles Rams and tomorrow. Tomorrow, people, opens the Big Sky Missouri Valley Challenge. It is to tell Nuanas on 1029 ESPN Radio and across the state on SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. Thanks for spending some of it with us on your radios, on your televisions, on your devices, etc. We are happy to be with you. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway and Missoula Highway 83 in Sealy online at KurtzPolaris.com. You can find us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. There you can listen live on the Listen Live tab. That's also known as a stream, and it's there thanks to Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to call, 329-1899 is the phone number. You can do it like that, 329-1899. All guests Join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Plenty to get to today. Uh, the depth charts uh, came out today. The two-deep depth chart for uh, the Montana-South Dakota game uh, came out. Did the Montana And Montana States as well for the Texas Tech uh, game on Saturday. So we will go through those, look at some, whether they're surprises, whether, you know, it's kind of who, who won out. And uh, we will also hear from Bobby Houck about some of this stuff uh, tomorrow uh, as uh, just rolled in from practice today and, uh, and talked to him about a couple of those things. So we'll get into uh, some of that. It is a 
wing at Wednesday. We'll send you over to the Desperado Sports Tavern for the best wings in the city of Missoula. So uh, get yourselves ready. Get your uh, you know minds limber. Drink what? What do they? Where's the brain juice, Ben? Man, you were all into those Nero juices for the longest, and I haven't seen one of those in a hot minute. Yeah, it's because when I make a commitment, I stick with it. It's actually not true. I were gave you, up. I gave up. A, I gave up afternoon caffeine. But then I've been slugging yerba mate still on the days <laughs> on the days when I was drinking. I had a I, mean, I, I got I got Tommy caffeine. I got Tommy into it, and he lasted two days. And I actually had probably uh, I'd say I would say I lasted eleven weeks. And now I don't do it every day. I just do it sometimes. Uh, so eleven good. weeks off of afternoon caffeine. Yes. See, here's the thing for me about caffeine is is I don't even view caffeine as a like health negative you know like, well that's because that's what corporate america wants you to think no caffeine is like the second most abused drug in america besides oh, alcohol i'm just telling you it's just the truth here's the thing nicotine bad for you alcohol bad for you various drugs bad for you caffeine good for you in moderation definitely and you can have well, we it all drink in the afternoon we well yeah but then it, it causes hypothyroidism it co- it causes your adrenal glands to not produce at a fu- highly functioning level it affects your sleep it dehydrates you we're all on our way out man enjoy the ride oh i know the amazon rainforest is burning to the ground the Yellowstone volcano is about to explode <laughs> and uh <laughs> college football is about to open on saturday that's why we do what we do so we don't have to think about the world ending oh man Okay. Have you seen the pictures of? The, I don't want to go all no, crazy no, no, political. No, no, no. Have you seen it. the pictures of don't the Amazon rainforest? Yeah. It, it's it hurts your brain, man. Yeah. I mean, I get that there's been fires all the time, and there's a lot of different media tactics going on that are over exaggerating maybe what's going on. But it doesn't matter, man. At the end of the day, a fire, a forest fire is a forest fire. It's a concerning thing, and when it's uh, the the forest that provides the oxygen for the world, that is also a concerning thing. I don't care if it's been happening forever. It's a it's an issue. The pictures are crazy. Back to sports. Too deep. Open today. I just wanted you to catch your breath because you've been sprinting in here. Oh, man. I was. Uh, Ryan did a journalism thing today while yeah. I was doing a sales thing. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> I don't know why. It, the journalism thing is tough, uh, I will tell you. And uh, and so, yeah, we went over there, had a little chat with uh, Coach Houck today. And, uh, you know, the uh, those things begin when uh when the coaches decide that they begin and that's fine this is not like there's no it's not as if we were told to be there at one o'clock and then it wasn't but it's you know it's it this these things the during the week of practice they start right up against this very show and so it's a little bit of a race i did make it you brought me water you're a kind friend and i appreciate you uh coulter the too deep uh depth chart came out today uh for uh, the cats and the grizz uh, for week one uh, going up uh, uh, into uh, these games on Saturday. And I want to hear from you on your thoughts on this. You monitor, you know, fall camp and then, you know, into into practice uh, very, very closely. You're aware of the battles that are going on. Some of it is guys who won out. Uh, you think like Malik Robertson, for example, is the starting ace. Gavin starting Robertson, excuse, excuse me. Gavin Robertson. I mistakenly texted yeah. you Malik Robertson. Who is Malik Robertson? That's a reputable name. Who is that? Mm. There's a Malik Robertson in our world somewhere that we'll we covered. Gavin, Gavin Robertson. Robertson. I that was I, I put that in your head though because I texted you that. That's 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 okay. It, many things are in my head that I would like to just you know straighten out, and I don't know if I will ever be able to. Uh, 
Gavin Robertson is 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 the starter uh, at safety for uh, uh, one of the starters at safety. So I think that's interesting uh, in terms of you know him winning out that position when there was a number of guys that it could have been. And then you know you think about maybe Jesse Sims for instance, who is uh, the starting nose guard, listed as a nose guard, not listed as either an exterior guy or even like on a four three front in a you know a three or five tech. You know, listening to Bobby Houck today, asking him about that very thing, saying you know, yes, that's where he's listed, but you know, everybody can play everywhere essentially. I mean, not not everybody can play everywhere, but we're going to move guys around, and that's the nature of what we're going to do defensively. So don't get too caught up in where they're listed. But nonetheless, it is interesting to see him definitely on the as interior as interior can get at the zero tech uh, on the nose. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that one of the most intriguing parts about fall camp is is just the internal position battles, but I also think that those position battles have gotten... Coulter, some people like the Clark Fork, some people like the Flathood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot. We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls, I love Rainbow's End, I love the Blackfoot River. You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God... Look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase hugely the, the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana. It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services, anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and other regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call, 866-541-5000, or go to goblackfoot.com. That's goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link here on the Podbean site, or if you're listening in elsewhere, just copy the URL, drop it in there, goblackfoot.com. Somewhat less intriguing because... Winning a quote-unquote starting job, it means who's on the field first, but oftentimes if you are the starter at the position in what is your base defense, there could be matchups throughout the year where you don't even start. Like there's guys that have been that are starters that don't start in certain matchups. And for example, like Montana State, they played Incarnate Word the first round of the playoffs last year. Incarnate Word runs the air raid. Their coach comes from the Mike Leach system. So instead of starting a Sam linebacker, there's none of their Sam linebackers started in that game. Ty Okada started at nickel. So sometimes you're not even on the field. So it's package-based, but also it's more than just a position battle for a quote-unquote starting spot. It's position, it's jockeying for a spot on the two deep because right. especially on defense, if you're on the two deep, you're likely going to play. It's just like Coach Alex said, Jesse Sims might be lined up over the center for the first three plays on Saturday. He might go out and play strong end on the next series. He might play weekend in the other series. What is strong and what is weak also completely delineates because of how fast college football offenses go. The fact that almost everybody runs pre-snap motion on almost every play. I mean, you're talking about even 15 years ago, tight right, tight right, the tight end's right here. Okay, strong side of the formation's right there. The wide side of the field, there it is. That's it. Now everybody runs motions. The strong side and the weak side flip. You know, there's the, the, the common lexicons talk about the strong safety and the free safety. And conventional wisdom would say, the strong safety is the guy that can maybe move down the box, more of a run supporter. The free safety is the guy that's playing center field. Like, if you look at Montana, like in Montana's defense, they play so much one high that Robbie Houck's not playing either. He's playing both. He, he's playing he's playing safety. He runs the alley. His run yeah. fits are, you know what I'm saying? Like, so much of this is, is um, 
based on what the offense is doing. You know, a lot like the Seahawks in their in the prime of the Legion of Boom, right? They played right corner and left corner. Richard Sermon got criticized for it because the elite corners, they play either field or boundary. They play the wide side of the field. But the Seahawks just played one, one side so that you could you wouldn't have to be running all over the place. It gets confusing when you're playing field and boundary. If the team is moving back and forth horizontally along the field and all of a sudden you're playing the field, so you're running to the wide side of the field, back and forth, back and forth if you're in the corner. It well, shoots a lot. So presumably you are not guarding the best wide receiver every time or the offense can dictate who guards who essentially if you just go half and half. No doubt. And that's why we had Travis Johansson on the show yesterday. And by the way, our podcast got cut off yesterday. Apologies to anybody who wanted to listen to that interview. If you do want to listen to it, it is archived in one spot. It's archived on our YouTube channel. So you can go to YouTube, just type in Two Tell Nuanas. Travis Johansson, the defensive coordinator from South Dakota, joined us yesterday at around 5 30. So about an hour and a half into that YouTube. The interview is there. So you can go check that yeah, out. And we may be able to uh, uh, excise that out of there too and, uh, and get that up for people. For Regardless, uh, he talked all about position versatility. I think that. Because offenses now go so fast, and because, like you are saying, the offense can dictate who's guarding who. That's why guys like Cooper Cup, they can move around and play on the outside or the inside at, at a receiver, are such nightmare matchups because if you put him in motion and you angle him the right way, all of a sudden he might have a linebacker covering him, and it's a 10 out of 10 win. He's going to win every time. And so just being able to find guys that can be versatile, that can play in the box, play outside the box, all that. So then that comes full circle then to talking about the position battles at the University of Montana, and I think that there was a lot of, when you look at this too deep, a lot of guys that rose to the top or or a lot of position battles that actually ended up settling without much intrigue. But I also think it's worth noting that even when we're talking about this guy, quote-unquote, winning this position battle, very few of these are definitive wins because so many of these guys are going to, the guys that are backups are going to play a ton. That's right. But when I go through this thing, I'll just, I'll just touch on the ones that I thought were, were pretty heated battles that and the way that they played out. So at X receiver, Mitch Roberts was getting a lot of one reps during spring ball and during fall camp. Samari Torre listed as, as the one at X. But Mitch Roberts is going to get a ton of snaps. Uh, at F receiver, at the slot receiver, Jerry Lou McGee, Gabe Solcer. You know, you wondered if Solcer would overtake him. Jerry Lou McGee, the senior, is, gonna, is, be, is the number one guy there. But, again, those guys are going to probably – straight up split reps at that spot. I mean, why would you not want those guys on the field as often as you possibly can? The running back battle was one we talked about prevalently. The only two guys listed on the tailbacks are Adam Eastwood and Marcus Knight. No uh, Drew Turner, no Garrett Graves, no Nick Ostmo. But again, those guys still might be in the mix. We'll see. Uh, The one spot where you're probably not going to rotate as much is along the offensive line. I thought the one intriguing offensive line battle was for the guard spots. I think that they, they basically pitted Angel Villanueva versus the two junior college guys, and they tried to find their best two out of those three. Villanueva, who's down to 301, he lost 40 pounds during the offseason. He wins the spot at left guard over Moses Mallory, who was a guy that came in here, highly touted three-star recruit, a guy that had FBS offers. Uh, so that's a good win for Villanueva. I think that w- when you have a guy who you bring in a transfer to beat out and that and your incumbent beats him out, that's a great scenario for your team because that means the veteran guy who's been a part of the fabric of your locker room understands the sense of urgency and honestly it kicks his butt into gear and I think that that's exactly what happened with Villanueva and a new and improved Angel Villanueva will be good for the Grizz he was he was out of shape and hurt all last year and he was the most experienced the only experienced guy really coming back on the offensive line so gotta wish him the best for his senior year because he's a guy that's got a tremendous story you know he went through a ton of hardship growing up and so for him to win a job as a fifth year senior that's cool that's a great story uh then defensively you know, Dante Olson, Jace Lewis, not much of the of a position battle there. 
You knew Jesse Sims was going to be along the defensive line at some spot. He's he's the starting guy at nose. But then at the end spots, Braden Deming and Alex Gubner are the two number ones. Uh, the guy who fought his way onto the depth chart despite a position change, which I thought was pretty good, is uh, Vika Fatuese. Vika, mm. Vika was uh, inside linebacker on, when Bob Stitt was the head coach. Then he was a fullback last year. He didn't get used at all. Now he's playing D-end. You know, talk about a guy that's moved all over the place and done whatever they've asked him to do, but now he's up to 245 pounds, and he's the number two at end behind Gubner. If he can really produce there, that could be that could be a good spot for him. Uh, they, they call it the the Reb position, the R-E-B position. That's their sort of hybrid stand-up outside linebacker, defensive end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryder Rice, the transfer from Rocky Mountain, listed as the number one guy there. And that's going to be a, a tremendous story, If even if he doesn't – become a full-out 11-game starter. If he, if he contributes and produces at that spot, that's a great story. A kid that comes from six-man football and doesn't have any offer from anybody and goes to Rocky on a minimal scholarship and earns his way all the way up to being an All-American and then graduates early and bets on himself and says, I want to play at the highest level. Let me have a chance at the highest level. Positions himself to play for the Grizz, and then he wins a starting job. That's a great story, man. That's yeah. a, it's an awesome story for a six-man kid from Savage, Montana, to get to that spot. So I thought that was an intriguing win. Uh, the corners locked in. Justin Calhoun, Darion Nash are the two guys. Corbin Walker is a number two corner, though, as a red shirt, or as a true freshman. Excuse me. Uh, that was uh, a good, quote-unquote, win. Uh, Keenan Foster, the UTEP transfer who played receiver the last couple of years, he's Nash's backup, so that's good. Uh, Robbie Houck, you, you knew he was going to be the dude there at one of the safety spots. Uh, Gavin Robertson, though, ahead of Michael McGinnis at one of the safety spots. And I thought Nash Fouch would be in the mix. He's not on this 2 or He is on the 2 deep. He's backing up Josh Sandry at the other safety spot, which is kind of a rover spot. So uh, I think that those six safeties, Robbie Houck, Gavin Crow, Gavin Robertson, Michael McGinnis, Josh Sandry, Nash Fouch, I think all those guys are going to play since in this defense there's three safeties that start. And I think all six of the, those guys can play. So we'll see. But I think that there is some reflection of the offseason program within this. And we talked, I thought one of the most interesting sound bites we had from this fall camp was when we were talking about Bobby Houck and physical conditioning, positional versatility, and the concept of mass. I think it's, it's been drilled into our, our lexicon and our psyche as football fans that bigger is better always. And I don't think that's necessarily true. And you look at a guy like Angel Villanueva who lost 40 pounds and it benefited him. He's better for being lighter. You look at a guy like Gavin Robertson. Gavin Robertson was 230 pounds. He did not look like a safety last year. He looked like an outside linebacker. And I thought he was two steps slow because of it. Well, now he's down to 208 and now he's number one on the depth chart. You have to think that those two things go hand in hand. So I think that Across the board, there was some surprises, but also I think that almost every single one of those positions, especially when you're talking about receiver, running back, and everybody on defense, they all have a chance to just rotate. So I think that you know it's, it's just getting your name onto this too deep is the win. It's not necessarily the guy who won the starting spot because I think that seriously almost every single guy, especially on the defensive too deep, is going to play a lot. A uh, couple things on this uh, to me, Coulter. One is uh, Dante Olsen did win the starting spot. <laughs> Uh, one of the linebackers there, so uh, really pushed hard. He will uh, he will be on there. We'll see how many reps he actually gets. Uh, and the the other thing is, you mentioned the three safeties uh, that uh, Montana goes with. They actually don't. They go with two safeties and the Grizz. I like it. The Grizz position is uh, the position that Robbie Houck, of all people is of the course. starter at. 
Very interesting. I, I, so okay, I, I, this is a I total. Mean, what, this is a total tangent. But there's I'll only three. There's only three linemen, uh, and two linebackers, and then the Reb, and the Grizz. This is a total tangent, but I, <laughs> I, I got to just ask you your thoughts on this. Okay. I think that there is, um, there there's some good candidates to replace Jesse Sims as number thirty-seven next year. I, I think Braden Deming. His name will be in the conversation. I think Jace Lewis's name will be in the conversation. Uh, maybe even Michael McGinnis. But I think that the overwhelming favorite to be the next 37 is Robbie Houck. What do you think of that? I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know. What do you mean, what do I think about it? Is well, it I, a- I just think that haters will scream nepotism because he's Bobby's son. But then if you look at him... He personifies thirty-seven. I mean, no, he no, is no, the hard-hitting no. Montana guy. This is this is a player-to-player award, totally uh, right. The coaches have nothing to do with it. And, yep, this is right. no, and Bobby Houck was here while this was being passed on, and he had he knows what this is. Oh, of course. I mean, the greatest thirty-seven of all time is Tim Houck, right? And so, and and my point is, is that well, of course, it, you know, I'm not saying it should. I'm not saying who it should or shouldn't go to for crying out loud. Jesse Sims is the number 37. He's got a whole year with it. And then, you know, he can make whatever determination he thinks is best to make at the end of the season or, you know, headed into next year or whatever. But, no, I listen, the only way that you can scream nepotism on anything is when somebody's child is doing a job and they're bad at it. Right. Like, if if if... If a, if a person has a kid and it takes over the company and runs the company into the ground, that's nepotism. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It could be nepotism even if it's a good thing. But the point is, is like you can only sit here and chastise it if it's going bad. If somebody takes over a company and expands that thing and builds it, you know, I've seen, I've seen children take over companies from their fathers and turn them over a hundredfold into, you know, bigger and, and better and more successful than what they were before. And nobody yells nepotism. Then they say, hey, look at it, you know, your great skill set that was built upon or whatever. Robbie Houck, Montana would be a far worse football team without Robbie Houck out there running around at the Grizz spot wrecking people, period. So, and t- so, so no, I mean, don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, anybody who's, would think that they're upset about him getting the number at some point, whether it was next year or the following, uh, is crazy to me. So tell me this. Robbie Houck lists his hometown as Montana. He, he lives in the town of Montana? Well, he lists his hometown as Missoula. Gotcha. I'm not exactly sure if he was actually born in Missoula. The timeline, he's a year older than his grade, because I remember I looked up his age for a story I wrote about him last year. Okay. So he might have not actually been born in Montana. Okay. Might have been born in, in Seattle. Or, mm, mm. Um, Bobby was coaching at Colorado, so maybe in Colorado. I, I'm not, I, have no, I have no justification here for, for this. But he did live from age 2 through age 11 or 12, certainly, in Missoula. Mm-hmm. He lives in hometown of Missoula. But then he went to all his high school in Vegas and California. Sure. The, the, the one rule for 37 is a native Montana. Is yeah. there any controversy there? I mean... I don't know. Do you have to go to high school in Montana? I don't know. It, it's gonna. It's just an interesting stipulation. I, I just. I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know. The other thing is that everybody thinks it's for a defensive player, but that's actually not part of the actual rule. It's just been a defensive player 
since Tim Houck took it over, but the original 37, Craig Paulson, was actually an offensive player. I just think that you're trying to start fires here, Coulter. That's what that seems like. No, I'm not. I, I, I just really was thinking about, because I think that Robbie Houck should be 37. Robbie Houck wore 37 at Northern Arizona his redshirt freshman year right. because he loves Montana so much. Yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to start any fires. I just thought it was it's going to be an interesting debate yeah, to have I because, you. I mean, obviously he's from the Houck family. So his roots in Montana are deep, 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 generations, generations. But he would just be the first one that had sort of outside the box characteristics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, let's talk about the cats. Cat depth chart. Okay. Let's go to the cat depth chart. Um, Casey Bauman is starting at quarterback. We knew that one. Yeah, but it's the only one that we actually didn't really know. Everybody else, hmm. where where have they listed Troy Anderson, Coulter? Uh, Troy Anderson is listed as the fourth running back and the starting Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're right though. Uh, the there was almost no position battles on Montana State's offense. The the guys that rose up the the, the one battle was at left guard. Taylor Tuiasasopo missed the last month of the year last year with an injury. Uh, him and Jake Sessions battled throughout spring ball and fall camp, but Tuiasa Sopo rose up and, and won that job. Uh, the other one was that receiver. Everybody knew Kevin Cassis and Travis Johnson were going to start, but then it was a matter of uh, who's your best third out of Willie Patterson, Lance McCutcheon, and Coy Steele was kind of in the mix. Willie Patterson will be the inside guy, and Lance McCutcheon will back up Travis Johnson, so I expect McCutcheon to get a lot of time at X as well. Uh, and then tight end was kind of an interesting battle because Montana State did have three senior tight ends a year ago. Ryan Davis from Billing Skyview ends up winning uh, the starting job at tight end over Jacob Hadley. So that was an interesting one because you switch Hadley to offense for his senior year, and uh, Davis is the one that emerges as, as the go-to guy there. On defense, I think everybody knew that Amandre Williams, Bryce Sterk, Derek Marks were going to start. The other battle was between Washington transfer Jason Scrimpos and Chase Benson out of Helena High. And uh, I think those guys are going to rotate heavily. That's one of those ones where it doesn't really matter who's the first guy out, but Scrimpos did end up getting that as a grad transfer from Washington. Uh, at linebacker, though, the inside linebacker spot was probably the fiercest battle at Montana State's fall camp. Chad Cano and Josh Hill both return as starters, but Josh Hill missed all of last season with a back injury. Chad Cano missed the second half of last season with a knee injury that then turned into a shoulder injury during the spring as well. So the two guys that were kind of the incumbents, they weren't healthy, and, and they didn't have to, a lot of chance to participate in camp. In the meantime, Michael Jobin started every game last year at Will Linebacker, and then you also have... Nolan Askelson, who was one of the rising stars on Montana State's defense, and Callahan O'Reilly, a converted quarterback out of Bozeman High, who by all accounts is the strongest, one of the pound-for-pound strongest players on the team. And so you have Askelson and O'Reilly new to the mix, Josh Hill and Chad Cano trying to get healthy. Michael Jobin is a guy who uh, actually played the most football out of that five last year, and then he also brought in Blake Flovin, a junior college transfer. So the way that it played out is Josh Hill will be the number one at will with Michael Jobin backing him up. And Nolan Askelson, the former Montana defensive double-A player, class double-A player of the year out of Billings Senior, uh, he will start ahead of Callahan O'Reilly at Mike. And then at Sam, obviously it's Troy Anderson. And then the other spots that were kind of up for grabs just because Munchie Filer is hurt. Munchie Filer is going to miss the Texas Tech game. He's, he's probably going to miss uh, a couple non-conference games at least with what looks like an arm injury. I haven't been able to confirm it, but he was wearing a cast and a sling during Montana State's scrimmage. Probably nothing too serious, but... Definitely going to cost him this opener at least. But the corner spots were then kind of more open because you know, Jalen Cole's on the shelf indefinitely after that neck injury he suffered against the Cats last year, or against the Grizz last year, excuse me. 
Tyrell Thomas is still working his way back from an injury from last year. Munchie Filer's out. And then you have Tyree and Tyree Gibson, a pair of twins from Southern California who are now in the mix. So the way that played out, Damian Washington, the senior, he'll be the starter ahead of Tyrell Thomas on one corner spot. And then Tyree Gibson, uh, a redshirt freshman, will be the starter ahead of LaBelle Price at the other spot. So um, a little bit more, I guess I'd say about an equal amount of competition on the, the Bobcat depth chart defensively as there was on the Grizz depth chart. But I also think that... Uh, the Grizz didn't roll that much last year in terms of they, – they rolled at the safety spot. They, they you know, Reed Miller played, Robbie Houck played, um, Josh Sandry played a bunch, uh, Gavin Robertson played a fair amount. They, they rotated quite a bit at the safety spot. They didn't rotate much at corner. They didn't rotate much at D-line because they didn't have very many, uh, many bodies. And they, they rotated at the inside linebacker spot with Jace Lewis and Josh Buss to try to preserve Josh Buss. But Dante Olsen really just never came out of the game. I expect Montana to roll a little bit more this year because they do have a few more guys. The thing about the Cats is they've been rolling, they've been rolling their D-line, their inside linebackers, and their corners since day one. I mean, even when they didn't have a ton of depth or a ton of talent, Jeff Choate's first year, they were playing their backup defensive line front 30, 35 snaps a game. So... That's not uncommon at Montana State. I think that they'll continue to do that as well. I do think Munchie Fowler being out uh, is significant for this team. Um, they are really good at safety. They are not as good or as deep at corner. And going up against this Texas Tech team, uh, you got to have all hands on deck in the secondary. Just got to. And, and and that's a significant hand to not have on deck uh, for for this Bobcat team. Now, look, I mean, not saying not sitting here going, well, you know, this is this is the reason why a game's going to go a particular way or whatever. But um, when you're talking about wanting to be competitive, wanting to be able to you know stick with it, and 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 and, and that that's a tough a loss. And and certainly, I, I maybe I'm crazy on you are on this. Okay, I'm crazy on this stuff. But I always feel like if if a kid's playing, you know, FCS football, or even, you know, even at the even at the bottom of the deck, mid-major FBS programs, which are not drawing, you know, many fans out and are you know just kind of playing Tuesday night football or whatever, the opportunity. To go to a big-time environment against a Power 5 school. I mean, Texas Tech was just in the college basketball national championship game, for crying out loud. Totally. And we know, you know, of late, they have been a major player. I mean, they're always going to be second and third fiddle to Texas, to Texas A&M, okay? But, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Michael Crabtree, a guy who's now the head coach at Arizona Cardinals in the NFL, who was most recently there. I mean, there's there's a big time tradition there, nonetheless. And to go play in a game and in an environment like that is one that is exciting. When it's not something that happens every single day or every you know even every single year, and so to not be able to play in that game has got to be disappointing. It would seem to me, you know, maybe there maybe kids. You're always talking about kids nowadays. Maybe they don't want to be associated with, you know, a, a significant loss or something like that. To me, it's like, go out there and play ball, at, you know, in Lubbock, Texas. How great would that be? I mean, that would be, that'd be fun. 
Anyway, uh, there you go. The depth charts are out, uh, and we will uh, we'll talk more about these teams and these games coming up because, well, we got two and a half days to do it, basically, uh, before we're kicking this thing off, which is great. But now it is time for a Wing It Wednesday, 329-1899. Give us a call, 329-1899. Coulter has three questions for you, and if you get just two of them, we'll even give you some leeway. You got yourself a basket of wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern, the best wings in the city of Missoula. Let's do some trivia, people. 329-1899 right after this. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Give some wings away, shall we? It is to tell the waters. One of tonight ESPN Radio broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy online at KurtzPolaris.com. Find us on Twitter at Gus Tutel. That's me. Hi. At 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT. Um it is time for a uh wing it Wednesday, and so as is our custom here, we go to the phones and we welcome in Dave to the show. Dave, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Dave, do we have you? Yes, can you hear me? There we go. Dave, we got you. We got you in the headsets. We got you on the radio. You are ready to go, my man. Now, Dave, let me ask you this. What level of familiarity do you have with Desperado Wings? I level of familiarity, I'd say Desperado Wings one to hundred. I'm going to say hundred familiarity with this with with this game that we're about to do. I'm going to say a zero. Okay, well, let me fill you in on the details, okay? So that you Perfect. so that you're not at a zero. You are going to answer some trivia questions, okay? In fact, three trivia questions in total. If you get two of them right, two out of three, you got yourself a basket of wings, and you know exactly what you like, as you've uh, stated uh, over there at the Desperado Sports Tavern. If you get all three, we're going to give you a shirt as well. And if you need help on any one of these, I am a lifeline for you. So you can use a lifeline on one of these questions. Does that sound all right to you? Fantastic. Here we go. Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot. Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. All right, Dave, here we go. Uh, Question number one. Coulter's got the questions uh, here in the first round today. So, Coulter, let her rip, my man. What are we doing here? All right, Dave, this is about MVPs in the NFL. Oh, boy. It's about multiple-time winners of MVPs in the NFL specifically. Mm. Okay. Mm. So, number one, six players have won the NFL defensive MVP multiple times. 
Give me two guys that have won two or more NFL defensive MVPs. Oh, boy. Um, Two or more. How about J.J. Watt? J.J. Watt has won an NFL record three NFL defensive player games. Excellent, Dave. Let's go back and let's say Troy Polamalu. He's got to have won it. Troy Polamalu only won one in 2010, but we will not disqualify you for that guess. We'll give you one more guess. Give it another guess. All right, how about, um, okay, Ray Lewis. Got to be Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis has won two in his career. Go. Very Ray, good. Ray. Very nicely done. The you. The other multiple-time the other multiple time winners, Joe Green in 1972 and 1974, mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor as a rookie in 81, again in 1982, and then for a third time in 1986. Pretty good run there for LT. Mike Singleton, or excuse me, Mike Singletary in 1985 and 1987. Bruce Smith. One two, mm. Ray Lewis one two, JJ Watts one three, and most recently Aaron Donald, the back-to-back NFL Defensive Player of the Year. The uh, alrighty, the Bruce Smith Dennis Hopper Bad Things Man commercials uh, commercial is the single greatest <laughs> commercial featuring a sports player in the history of 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 the universe. <laughs> the most amazing part about Bruce Smith's career, other than being the st- stalwart defensive player on a team that lost four straight Super Bowls, is that Bruce Smith is one of the three best pass rushers in the history of the NFL, and he was also the third best pass rusher in the NFL for the duration of his career because mm. he played at the exact same time as Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White. Uh, Bruce Smith did, though. I mean, he has he played like 20 seasons or some obnoxious well, I mean, He's the only thing. guy in the in, – him and Reggie White are the Just only 200 sack players. It's incredible. Uh, okay, very good, Dave. Excellently done there on the first question. Here we go, question number two. All right, you're one for one. You still have a lifeline, Dave. So number two, the exact same question, except for seven NFL players have won multiple overall MVPs, which is usually – A.K.A. offensive MVPs. There are seven guys that have won multiple offensive MVP awards. Give me two of them. All right. Um, how about how about Jerry Rice? Come on, give me Jerry Rice. That is such an interesting guess <laughs> because I don't actually know if Jerry Rice ever won an MVP, which in itself might be the craziest stat. They don't give them to wide receivers. They really don't. They really don't. Wow. Wow. We're not going to kill you for that one, though. That one doesn't count because. I mean, Jerry Rice is the greatest football well, player of all time, let's statistically. Go to, let's go to question number three, and let's come back to question number two, okay? Okay. All right. Number three, there's only been one quarter non-quarterback to ever win multiple mm. MVPs in the NFL. Only one. It happened in 1978 and 1979. Running back for the Houston Oilers. Who is the running back for the Houston Oilers that won back-to-back MVPs? The only non-quarterback to win the NFL MVP twice. What what year was it? 1978 and 1979, the Houston Oilers running back. Oh God! Um, Remember, you do have a lifeline. That's got to be that's got to be Earl Campbell. Or is that too late? Earl Campbell is right. Yeah, very good, Dave. Uh-huh. Well Gosh, if you want to know the way that injuries can impact a guy, because Earl Campbell, for, the, for when he was in his prime at the University of Texas, and then mm-hmm. for the Houston Oilers, I mean those tapes. Perfect. He is a frightening man. Yes, he is. Uh, Dave, I got great news for you. You got yourself wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern. Very well done. Give your information there to Reese in the back, and we'll get you set up with those, all right? 
Hey, I need another chance at number two. You, he, he wants himself a shirt. Okay. All right. All right. All right. For, for the shirt, you get, one, you get one guess. Give me two guys that have won multiple NFL MVPs. No problem. I got this. Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Tom Brady's won three. And I actually think that Drew Brees has only won one. No. Oh, my goodness. Is that All right? Fair enough. Dave, still, though, you got, the you got what you came for. You really did. Fantastic. You know, very, very well done. All right, give your information to Reese. We'll get you signed up, okay? And maybe we'll get Thanks a shirt anyway for fun. Dave was nice. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Uh, All right, guess. So there's seven guys that have won two MVPs or more in the NFL. Earl Campbell is off the board. Yeah. Todd Brady's off the board. Who are the other five? Well, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's won five in an NFL record. Um. I mean, I'm trying to think about if Aaron Rodgers has won more than one. I think he maybe only won. Is he? Is he at two? He's won two. He okay. was 2011 and 2014. Okay. Uh, would John Elway be on that list of uh, multiple MVPs? John Elway only won one MVP mm, in 1987. Mm. Um, well, you know, let me just stay in the vein of my people and say Brett Favre. Yep, Brett, Brett Favre won... <clears throat> Three MVPs between 1995 and 1998, or 1997. So he went 95, 96, and 97. So three in a row. Wow. He shared the MVP with Barry Sanders in 97. Okay. So now, okay. So, so I've, you got two left. Are they are they before or after 2000? One is right at 2000. 99 and 2001 was when this guy won. Gosh, and it's a quarterback. It's quarterback. I know that for sure. I mean, who was slinging it? This. This is going to... I mean, Troy Aikman? Nope. He was... Troy Aikman was never S- good. Steve Young? Steve Young is the is the is one of the answers, but oh, he, he, was in, he, was he was in 92 and 94. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. one left, 99 and 2001. I mean, it wasn't like... It's very innovative. These guys, these guys don't get enough credit. This offense had more influence Mike on... Mike Vick? Nope. This offense had more influence on modern football than than they get credit oh, for. Is this gonna? Are you gonna talk to me about the Minnesota Vikings? Nope. Right now? Nope. Is nope. it the Eagles? Nope. I don't know. It's the greatest show on turf. Oh, with with uh, the Rams, yep. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's a good one. Do you remember when that hit the league? Oh yeah, Mike Martz, Kurt Warner. When Trent Green goes down, and you're like. Well, an average team just became awful. Oh, no, no. Super Bowl. Well, you're right, because they decided to play fast, and Tory Holt. I mean, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, and Marshall Falk. I'll take it. Strong. Orlando Pace. I mean, Marshall Falk. Talk about underrated, man. Marshall Falk is, I mean, Marshall Falk had a year there in 2000 when he was the NFL MVP. 1,500 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. That's untouchable. Mm-hmm. That's untouchable to go to go a thousand a thousand, let alone fifteen hundred a thousand. Pretty good. All right, that's how we do it, boys and girls. We'll have uh, some trivia. We'll do some college football game one, uh, Montana Montana State trivia with you in the second hour. So uh, get yourself ready for that. Quick break. Back after this, to tell Nuanas ESPN Radio SWX Montana Television. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. 
You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You got to get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana, through Bozeman and around Gallatin County. More than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. I say congratulations. Who's going to back up Jacoby Brissett? A familiar name floated. And also trading the number one overall pick. Could be on the horizon. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We're broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris. Is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. It's a good time to get into Kurtz. All the 2020 stuff is rolled out. Go check it out. Coulter. Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts as of about four days ago. Um, folks may have heard the news about Andrew Luck. Uh, anyway, uh, Brock Osweiler is uh, making a visit to Indianapolis and uh, going to check things out there. Uh, we will see if he ends up on the squad or at least signing for now. Interesting in the NFL, uh, so th- Thursday, tomorrow, is ev- all 32 teams in the league are going to be playing their final preseason game. Uh are we in, is this like the third year now where they are not staggering cuts? You know, they used to do the cut, the the initial cut after the third game or even the second game. I can't remember exactly where we'd go from 90 or 92 guys down to 75. And then the final roster cuts were made, you know, 24, 48 hours after the fourth game. But now they did away with that and it's just like full rosters, one, one final cut. And, I mean, it's unbelievable, man, that, that I mean, count it up. I mean, 1,200 guys are going to be cut from NFL football teams day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, it's, it's got to be a GM's nightmare, like the free-for-all of guys who are all of a sudden out there. Because it's not just undrafted rookie out of nowheresville that you've never heard of. There's a lot of veteran guys who are whether they're salary cap casualties, whether they just, you know, their time is kind of run. There's a lot of names where all of a sudden you go, whoa, he got cut? What? He got cut? What? He retired? What's going on here? So the very interesting time of year in that respect. I wonder, I, I don't know, I wonder if Andrew Luck would have just waited a week for the day when everybody's leaving. That eh, probably wouldn't have mattered much. In terms of what? I don't know, just Softening the blow? announcing it. Now that was going to be a shocker no matter what. Yeah, you're right. So in any case, uh, you know, you, but 1,200 guys, man, on the same day, basically, 
see you later. And all the GMs got to go through all the lists and all the agents are making every call, you know, in the universe, sitting there trying to get their guys, you know, another look onto a practice squad, whatever it might be. Uh, it's a, uh, a pretty, a pretty uh, interesting time of year uh, to be sure. But in any case, Brock Osweiler shooting over there to Indianapolis. Was he on a team last season? Mm, he was on a team early, but then he got cut. Okay. Well, we'll see if Brock can stick around. You think he would have been... Well, no. Well, maybe. You think he would have been a better basketball player than a football player? No. Brock yeah. Osweiler would never have signed a $72 million contract to play basketball I, I was, under I, any circumstance ever. I was going to say that, except for that if you were playing in the NBA, you're on a I don't think Brock Osweiler would have made it to the NBA. Yeah, you're right. Brock Osweiler, I mean, just just look, look at the time he played. He, he wasn't going to start at Gonzaga ever. He's not going to start over Kyle Wilcher. He's not going to start over Frank Kaminsky, or not Frank Kaminsky, who was the big guy, the big Polish guy that Gonzaga had, the seven foot, 300 mm-hmm. pounder. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the big guys that Gonzaga had, Brock Osweiler's not starting over those guys. Well, maybe, maybe not. Here's, Here's what I want to ask you. Here's what I want to ask you. It's harder to be a quarterback in the NFL than a big guy at Gonzaga. This is what I want to ask you. Brock Osweiler's fall from grace has been profound. And it's, it? it's been so profound. I mean, dude, he signed a $72 million contract and was cut a year but later. It's not a fall from grace. He's I mean, out the league. He's not 30. Okay. After he didn't. I mean, fall from grace sounds like more like a, like a, like a, like a character thing. You're just saying like, his, the, okay, his, sure. People's belief in the league about his ability to play ball. The, at one moment yeah. was that he was a potential franchise quarterback and at the worst, a top 20 guy in the league. And within a year, he's out of the league. That I mean, it's I mean, it was it was a couple of years, several years. He, he didn't even start a full season with the Texans before they kicked him to the curb. Yeah, but then he they, went to the Browns. He was they the bought out his quarterback. Then he was with Miami. So he's it, I mean, it's been three years since he signed that contract. Right, <laughs> and he's still in the league ish. Anyway, point being, he's bounced around a lot, and clearly everybody that's had him has been like, no. Nah. Well, I want to ask you because I I I, I don't know. I, I get that there's a lot of other stuff that goes with Brock Osweiler. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's been a really cocky, abrasive guy since he was a, a kid, since he was in mm-hmm. middle school. I remember watching him in Spokane Hoop Fest when he was in eighth grade, and he was talking smack and rubbing people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But I think that his body of work is skewed by the really, really bad stretch he had with the Texans that was accentuated by all the issues that they were having. They had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line. Aaron Foster was hurt. The whole team was falling apart. Bill O'Brien, you know, didn't have it quite locked in. He he himself is an abrasive coach. When Brock Osweiler wasn't wasn't doing what Bill O'Brien wanted, I think that affected Brock Osweiler's confidence. And so I don't want to analyze Brock Osweiler's personality. I want to analyze Brock, Brock Osweiler as a football player because okay. I think that Brock Osweiler as a football player was good in the NFL more than he was bad. It's just that his bad was accentuated so much by how much money he got paid for the coach that he did it under, who then just straight... I mean, Bill O'Brien holds no punches. When you play bad for Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien puts you straight on blast in the press conference every time. And it got to the point where Brock Osweiler, after 11, 12 starts, was out. It was just... It was out. It was over. Bill O'Brien said, get rid of this guy. Cut him. But you look at... Brock Osweiler's good stretch with the Denver Broncos, which helped him, helped him earn that good contract when Peyton Manning was hurt. And you look at just his overall ability. I don't think Brock Osweiler is a Pro Bowl quarterback, an elite quarterback, 
But I also don't think Brock Osweiler is a bad enough quarterback to be out of the league. So my question for you is, who's better, Brock Osweiler or Beef Brisket? Oh, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is a bad quarterback. Why? Why? What's the justification? Brock Osweiler has had more good moments in the NFL than Jacoby Brissett has. He's had more opportunity. I mean, he has has had a lot more opportunity to play. Look, I mean, it's not signed, sealed, and delivered. Maybe part of this is a bit of an unknown when it comes to Jacoby Brissett. Here's the optimism is that you don't know everything about Jacoby Brissett. So you think there's some potential. I think that we know what we know about Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler can throw a football. He's six foot seven. What do we know about six foot seven quarterbacks? They're far less successful than five foot ten inch quarterbacks. <laughs> so we can start there. Isn't it so true though? It's, it's, it's not so. It's completely true. Every guy. It's that's, a million percent. I mean, true. every guy that's been five ten in the league. Five, five Doug, ten to six foot. Hall of Fame. Doug Flutie, Steve Young. Hall of Fame. On down the line, Drew Brees, Russell, Russell Wilson, Kyler maybe, maybe Kyler Murray. We'll see. Baker we'll see. Mayfield certainly though. Everybody else. Glennon, Nick John. Foles, Glennon, Glennon, <laughs> love you, man. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> Look uh, at the size of that neck. It's just <laughs> John Gruden is the is the, the greatest Hard Knocks character. God, if you're not watching Hard Knocks, you gotta start watching Hard Knocks. It, it, he has more one liners. You can quote Hard Knocks for the rest of time. Really? Just John Glenn, just John Gruden. Okay, back point, to this. Point though. being, though, here's the thing: Brock Osweiler can't move very well. He is not very accurate, and it's a, a, a complete question mark to me. What, he looks like his head is spinning a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit still. Last time I last time I saw him play, where he he the, 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 he had not caught up to the game. Jacoby Brissett looks like a good young quarterback when I've seen him play, and admittedly, it's been a very little bit that I've watched Jacoby Brissett play, but. Here, you are so right about the move to the Houston Texans. Everybody wants to crush Brock Osweiler over, you know, flaming out or whatever. Bill O'Brien didn't want Brock Osweiler from day numero uno. Yep. Never, ever, ever, ever wanted him in there. It was a huge point of contention between him and the then GM. And by the way, again, I've said this before, but the GM fiasco for the Houston Texans over the last 12 months, six months, I mean, I can't believe that. Do they even have a GM? No, it's Bill O'Brien. Because they got hit for tampering, couldn't hire the guy they wanted, couldn't hire the next guy that they decided to fall back onto after firing the guy they had for one year, and now they interim tagged the GM to Bill O'Brien, who's already, I mean, to me, kind of showing what he is as a head coach anyways. But that all aside, here's what you don't want to do. You do not want to go to a place where there is a GM who likes you and a coach that does not like you the moment you step foot on the ground. Yep. Bad, 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 bad news. You are not going to be set up for success at that spot. The other thing that people forget is they say, Brock Osweiler chased the money. First of all, fine. Lots of guys have and have been successful. Lots of guys have and have not been successful. That's not that's not a knock on him. If you want to pay me $4 million, or four years, $72 million, I'll pretty much go wherever. But people forget the Denver Broncos were ready to pay him $13 million a year. Yep. Not 17, but 13. Yep. And he would have been much better served to stay in Denver where and he, he would have already been. had some success. From a, from a play, hey, he may have played poorly and never gotten the money that he ended up getting. Okay? So so it might work out in the end financially for Bur- for Brock Osweiler. But, you know, now let's, let's be clear. John Elway 
one of the handful of greatest quarterbacks to ever step foot on the game, has not been so good at assessing quarterbacks thus far in his presidency as the Denver Broncos, uh, 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 you know, czar of football. But he picked Osweiler, liked Osweiler, and was prepared to pay Osweiler. And Osweiler had already had I mean, Osweiler's best NFL moments were in Denver. And those presumably could have continued at least somewhat. Over the long haul, Is is are people going to figure you out and, and the truth about you as a player, is that ultimately going to come out? I suppose so. But he did not set himself up for success going to Houston. That much is for sure. That much is for sure. Again, I know that Brock Osweiler's personality impacts the way people analyze him as a player. I'm just still not quite ready to say that Brock Osweiler's not better than Jacoby Brissett. And I don't think either one is very good. I, 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 I think they're both agree. okay. Look at Jacoby Brissett started 15 games two years ago when Andrew Luck was hurt. He threw for 3,098 yards, 13 touchdowns, 7 picks. The year that Brock Osweiler started the majority of the season for the Texans. He started 14 games, 2,957 yards, very similar yardage, 59% completion, which is 0.2% better than Jacoby Brissett. So they're both equally inaccurate by NFL standards. Brock Osweiler had 15 touchdowns, so two more touchdowns, but also 16 picks, so nine more picks. But the number one stat I look at is sacks. Osweiler was playing against a dec- behind a decimated offensive line that year, and he can't move. You're right. Yeah. But you have to protect the guy. And that's such a key to all quarterback play in the league because guess what? Even the guys that can move, they can't move like the guys that are playing defense. Here's here's what I say. Like I, I if you're going to ask me to pick one of these guys right now, I'm picking Jacoby Brissett 100 percent of the time. Okay, but if you were going to ask me, do I think it's crazy to imagine that Brock Osweiler is the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts come Week 10? Absolutely not. Certainly, Jacoby Brissett could play his way out. Brock Osweiler, I don't know that he could play his way in, but you are in a you are in an uh, this is this is uncharted territory in a certain way where the franchise guy at the perceived peak of his powers says I'm good, and now at two weeks before you start the season, I mean that 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 is that's pretty unprecedented to me from a quarterback standpoint. Other positions it's happened. Quarterback, I, I can't think of one. So that is. Uh, you know, that brings a lot of things into play. I mean, the fact that Brock Osweiler is on the ESPN, you know, front news feed right now is a direct result of that. And does that, you know, and, and all it takes is an opportunity, right? Guys need an opportunity. I will say this. If you're Jacoby Brissett or Brock Osweiler, I don't know if you could land in a better situation as far as they've actually do have a short up offensive line they actually do have a couple of useful pieces at the skill positions offensively and most importantly of all if you ever wanted a coach to figure it out in the situation like this with a quarterback seems like frank Reich might be your guy right i mean i i I think the world of 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 frank is a head coach and so you know if there was a moment to try and like break through it's probably it it's just so ironic that, to me, the number one th- reason that Andrew Luck retired is from the injuries that he suffered when he was playing behind nobody, an, an awful Indianapolis oh. Colts line. It, it, but they, it took those injuries for them to actually solidify their offensive line, and they have. They've drafted more 
front-line linemen than anybody in the league to try to protect Luck, but it was too late. Yep. So now, actually, Jacoby Brissett has one of the most ideal situations for a young quarterback because they have three first-round draft pick offensive linemen. That's what I'm saying. If you can't be successful as a quarterback in Indianapolis right now, you can't play in the league. No period. doubt. No doubt. Hour one in the books. Hour two, right after this, get into the L.A. Rams and Big Sky Conference football, 24 hours away. Next. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 